You're listening to the Hair, Skin, and Journey Within podcast, a cathartic space where we share our success and struggle narratives of mind, body, and spirit, and explore solutions that help redefine a world of health and beauty that finally acknowledges and embraces us. I'm your host, Courtly Solis. All right, let's get it. Hang on, y'all. There's a train. Okay, well, I guess it went away. Whenever I talk, it comes back. (laughs) So in the last episode, I mentioned that this episode would be about topical steroid addiction, topical steroid withdrawal, and my no moisture treatment. But then I soon realized that I should probably cover some fundamental information about eczema before I get into uh, those different things, just because there's a lot of different um, acronyms that I'll be using and to familiarize yourselves with the nomenclature, I just think it's better that I start to start out with giving you definitions of what some of these things mean so that uh, the verbiage isn't super unfamiliar. And I'll do it super quickly because uh, the more into the weeds I get about this, really anything, but this particular subject, uh, the less I know what I'm talking about. So (laughs) I'm going to try to just graze surface stuff and Uh, If you want me to, you know, go more in depth about something specific, uh, feel free to reach out. I'm available on Instagram. You can direct message me. And I'll also leave some of the websites that I've used to to get this information from. So I'll almost always try to cite my sources and we can just go from there. So the big question I got to knock out is what is eczema? And I, I almost want to, <laughs> I almost want to apologize to Mayo Clinic uh, for calling them lazy last episode because I just didn't think their definition of eczema was like extensive enough. But um, upon further research, which was really just me comparing the definition from the Nas- the National Eczema Association website to the Mayo Clinic's definition, I sort of found out that Mayo Clinic wasn't like too far off from their super broad, super vague, super dry definition, ha, no pun intended, of red and itchy skin. And so the National Eczema Association says that eczema is defined as kind of like an overarching skin condition that comes in several forms. And one of them being atopic dermatitis, which I mentioned is the form that I have. So, but there are six other types of eczema that are recognized in the eczema community as well. Um, So if you're someone who's looking for a way to like self-diagnose something that you believe could be eczema, uh, the best advice I'm, I'm gonna be able to give you throughout this entire journey is to talk to your doctor to be sure. Because atopic dermatitis is the form that I'm going to be focusing most on just because it's the form that I have the most experience with, I am going to give like a, a quick blurb of all of the different forms of eczema just so that you guys are aware. And then I can kind of go, you know, into in, more in depth with atopic dermatitis. So, and this is all from the National Eczema Association. I believe their website is just nationaleczema.org, but I will put the link in 
the description of this episode. So we have contact dermatitis, neurodermatitis, dyshidrotic eczema, numular eczema, seborrheic dermatitis, and stasis dermatitis. If I butchered any of those, don't come for me. I'll look up the pronunciation of them after I have time. So anyway, contact dermatitis occurs when the skin comes in contact with an irritant or allergen and becomes inflamed. Neurodermatitis results from intense itching and scratching that's so bad it irritates the nerve endings of the skin and leads to thick, leathery patches of discolored skin. Dyshidrotic eczema appears as small, itchy, fluid-filled blisters on the fingers, palms, toes, and soles of the feet, and it can lead to flaking, scaly, cracked skin. Numular eczema or discoid eczema looks different than other types of eczema with itchy coin-shaped spots that can be triggered by dry skin, insect bites, scrapes, chemical burns, or reactions to inflammation. Seborrheic dermatitis is a chronic form of eczema that appears near oil-producing glands on the back, nose, scalp, and other areas, and it may be related to stress and hormones. Stasis dermatitis results from problematic blood flow in the veins and occurs when pressure develops, often in the legs, and fluid leaks from the veins. And then we have atopic dermatitis. And I believe atopic dermatitis is the most common of the different forms of eczema. Uh, So atopic dermatitis is chronic, it's inflammatory, and it's related to an overactive immune system response. So I think the key thing to take away from this definition is that it relates to an overactive immune system, but there's still no actual cause that's been specified in the medical community that says this is exactly where eczema comes from, this is what causes it, this is how you prevent it, and this is the cure for it. It's 2021 and there's absolutely no cure for eczema, and that is frustrating because on one hand I I understand right logically I understand that in order to get to a solution you have to form different hypotheses and come up with different theories for where you believe a problem originated but the issue that I'm having is that with all of these different theories people start to develop different ways based on those theories to quote unquote cure or at least manage the flare-ups when they come. So when your immune system is overreactive, that just basically is is saying that your immune system thinks that that a problem is bigger than it actually is. So when it sees these allergens or these irritants, it's like, oh my gosh, like let's let's go full regalia on these irritants and create all of the white blood cells that we possibly can to protect to protect the body from infection. And so any little bit of like bacteria or a virus that the body senses, it goes balls to the wall and absolutely just literally overreacts. It's it's just dramatic. I don't know. So now I have to suffer because my body's like, fear not, young ward, you know, I'm I'll protect you (laughs) and it's really doing more harm than good. So I'd rather just have whatever bacterial infection or virus and and not have to deal with my skin becoming just extremely inflamed for pretty much no reason. So in addition to my super dramatic immune system, 
doctors and or scientists, whoever, somebody with a 10 pound brain also thinks that uh, atopic dermatitis can stem from a mutation of the gene that creates a certain protein. I think it's called filigrin. That's supposed to help your body maintain like it's healthy, protective skin barrier, but because that gene is mutated, it's not protecting us from anything, which makes us more susceptible to whatever those uh, allergens and irritants are that our immune systems are trying so hard to fight off for us. So thank you, immune system. There's also a bit of like conflicting information about whether or not atopic dermatitis is an immunological disease and by definition, I sort of see why it could be considered one, because if it's a condition that's caused by dysfunction in the immune system, then my overreactive immune system is right up that alley. But when I think of an immunological disorder, I think of like autoimmune diseases or autoinflammatory syndromes or some sort of deficiency I don't think of allergies and asthma, which go hand in hand with eczema. I think of autoimmune diseases as the immune system attacking itself. So diseases like lupus and MS and rheumatoid arthritis. And I want to say even psoriasis is considered an autoimmune deficiency or disease um, because the immune system attacks itself and that closely resembles eczema. So it's very... Interesting that eczema isn't always considered an immunological disorder. So I'm going to attempt to go one step further into atopic dermatitis by defining the word atopic because I think that it's a key piece of information and kind of like a good segue into like what's really going on in the body when your eczema is flaring. So of course, dermatitis is just the general term that everybody uses for skin irritation, but atopic is interesting because it has it brings that hereditary component and i don't think that the other six types of eczema share that very key uh, component so atopic is a predisposition toward developing allergic hypersensitivity reactions which pretty much means that it's inevitable so you're going to get a flare-up as soon as you come in contact with anything that your body feels like it has to fight off so you can thank your parents. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to try my best to assume that a lot of this stuff isn't general knowledge. And just because I know doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else knows. But uh, just to err on the side of caution, I, I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence. But eczema, including all of its seven forms, are not contagious. So you can't get it by touching somebody else's eczema. You can't get it by being in contact with them or sharing a drink with them. Also, it doesn't always develop in childhood, but it typically does, And uh, but it can also develop in adulthood, and just depending on the type of eczema that you have, you know, you can kind of determine if this is something that you've been dealing with as a kid, and, you know, maybe you just never grew out of it, or if it's something that's formed in adulthood. And as I mentioned earlier, it's best to go see your doctor about um, anything that you might have questions about. And I'm not the biggest fan of going to the doctor either for a plethora of reasons, but they do offer a lot of uh, insight and information that could be beneficial to you. So 
you could go ask for a patch test or an allergy test uh, where they prick you a, a million times in the arm and just know so that you can pinpoint your exact triggers because if this is something that you know you developed in adulthood you want to be able to you know pinpoint if it was a food that you ate because maybe you developed an allergy to shellfish or something after your 20s um, I don't know, or like some, some sort of material that you've been in contact with, like you might be, um, you might have an allergic reaction to polyester or, or if you've changed like hair products or skin products or laundry detergent, you know, there's just so many different allergens out there that people don't know that they're even allergic to until they're tested for it. So I think, you know, the doctor is the safest bet, but if you feel like you can rock with what you got, then by all means, you know, I'm not here to stop you. I'm not here to convince you to go see a doctor if you don't want to, but that is, you know, my professional opinion. I've actually gotten the, the, not the patch test, but that prick test done. And I kid you not, they did prick me like 45 times. I want to say it was like 20 something in one arm, 20 something in the other, whatever equals 45 quick maths. Um, and I was allergic to every single thing outdoors. I think my right arm they they tested me for everything outdoors, all outdoor allergens, and then my right, sorry, my left arm, they tested me for all indoor allergens. And I might have been like allergic to cats and I don't know, dust or something inside. But outside, every single tree lit up, every single piece of grass, type of grass, um, all pollens, you know, just the the air. I don't I feel like I'm just allergic to all things outside. Like if I, if the wind blows from east to west, I I get a flare up. So that's super frustrating. And it's even more frustrating to see on paper, but it's, it's still almost, um, a sigh of relief because you know that it's not just you, like, you know, that you're not crazy. Something's going on with your body that you have no, uh, control over. And so seeing that was, uh, while it was disheartening, it was also kind of a breath of fresh air. So bittersweet. Okay. So I promise my next episode will be about topical steroid withdrawal. If it's the last thing I do, um, I, hopefully I broke this down Barney style. And if not, let me know, uh, because I really appreciate the feedback and I want more than anything to help others and help myself. So if there's something that I can benefit from and you know, better than I do, I am totally open to that feedback. You all are more than welcome to message me on Instagram with any questions, comments, concerns, gripes, complaints, I don't know. And I'm also welcome to ignore them as I see fit. So make sure it's constructive. Like I'm I'm not in the business of offending anyone uh, on this platform and it, it's really just a means to document my journey and express myself and um, build that sense of community with people who can relate to any of the day-to-day -day struggles that I face. So if there's something that I say that's offensive or that could be said better or, or I have some misinformation or I've said something that could be misleading, please let me know. I really do want to make sure that I'm putting out accurate information when I do get down to uh, the super boring but super informative and super important parts. So just let me know. I know that was a lot of information, y'all. I know that was brutal. So thank you for hanging in there. 
and I feel like although it was necessary I'm gonna have to find another way to get all of this information out where I don't feel like a college professor giving a lecture if you've gotten through two episodes and you aren't in complete agony please subscribe um, on whatever platform you're listening if you want updates on when new episodes come out you can follow me on instagram at hair skin and the journey within i'll also be posting the good the bad and the ugly when it comes to my hair and skin so if you're interested in seeing this hot mess you know where to find me and losers look stuff up while the rest of us are carving all them dms okay bye